welcome to the Directors UK podcast. This podcast comes from our Q&A session with Tamara Jenkins, Director of Private Life. The session was moderated by Beban Kidron and covers a range of subjects including Jenkins' writing process, her approach to casting and the notion of suspense. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. Private Life is available to watch now on Netflix. So the idea is I'm going to ask you some questions, then everybody else is going to pile in because I'm coming. sure they've got you other guys, questions. And seeing it on the actual screen, it means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. So I, um, I had a... Did you see it on the actual screen? No. I did not. You saw it on a laptop on your tummy? Like... <laughs> I'm chill. I mean, I'm just Who saying it's modern. The questions here? Okay, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Uh, but I, I did do a revisit. So this weekend, I've actually had a little film festival. And in one way, I'm grateful you haven't made more movies because I only had to watch three. <laughs> um, and in another way, I was really traumatized that you haven't made more movies. And I wanted you to start by talking about the what? trauma. <laughs> the, the trauma. I, no, just a little bit about the gestation period, about why it takes you so long, about what that is for you. Well, I, you know, I think some of it is gestation, which obviously this is a movie about gestation, but or non-gestation. Um, you know, I mean, in terms of this movie, uh, I've never made any, I've never written a screenplay and handed it over to somebody and had them finance it in five seconds. It, mm. It's always like an epic journey. And mm. I think this movie was like a five-year process between writing it, getting it financed, making it, and then having it come out into the world. So it's not like instant rice where you just add water and then you like, look, I have a screenplay. Here's 120 pages. Let's make it. It's always a pain in the ass. Mm. It's always very, um, you know, uh, you know, laborious trying to get it financed and, 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 and cast, um, to satisfy the powers that be and all that sort of stuff, or me casting who I really want, and then uh, feel, you know get, becoming in situations where they're not going to finance it at the level that it needs to be financed to satisfy the the story, mm. which is what happened with this movie initially. It was mm. some it was at a different studio, and they um, you know were behind the movie until the final minute when they actually had to write the you know the the check mm. the budget, and then they. It, they weren't financing it at a high enough level that we would be able to photo shoot it in New York. We were going to mm. have to shoot it in Canada, which was really depressing. And I left that studio. They were gave us the script back and turn around, and then we ended up being rescued by Netflix in the last moment. But so that's like that isn't that takes time. That was really it was like a five year thing. So. Yeah. So um, I think there's probably people in the audience for whom that feels really familiar, that sort of struggle, you know, that journey. And I'm just really interested in whether you think that there's something, you've managed to hold on to such a specific style and you are absolutely, it feels to me, watching as an audience, that you have not compromised. Is that part of that 10-year battle? Is, have, you, have, have there been moments where actually you could have made a slightly different film to make it a bit yeah. easier, but you yeah, really with different just actors do that. or um, uh, yes, I think that I 
yeah. I, I mean, uh, the, the 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 example that I just gave you was a good example in that, mm. yeah, you can make it, but you have to shoot it here. Mm. Or, you know, so, yeah, I guess I was holding to my guns and saying, I'm not going to shoot this freaking thing in Canada. It doesn't take place in Canada. I'm not going to pretend Montreal is the East Village. So I, yeah, there's lots of, I guess there's along the way, there's lots of little examples of that that kind of add up to time in a way. And then I have my own problems. Like, you know, as a writer-director, it's very different than getting material sent to you and, and making it. I mean, so writing is a whole, like, a different hat that you wear that for me is, um, you know, it takes a long time to write a screenplay. It takes two years, I'd say. And then you sort of chip away at it. But it's definitely a two-year thing. Like, I'm just, if, you're, if I'm starting a screenplay, I'm like, it's going to take me two years. Yeah. All of your films have one foot in your life, yeah? But they're not autobiographical, absolutely. Right. Are they? Now, are they all of them similarly balanced with the one foot in autobiography or...? Well, they all sort of just... They all come from a... Like an emotional... I mean, some more... I mean, yes, they all are start from something autobiographical, but it's not a memoir... And then there's enormous amount of invention, you know. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I think for this movie, I took kind of the emotional core of the experience that my husband and I had. And then the narrative demands of fiction take over and then you invent people like Sadie's character, or Molly Shannon's character, or, I mean, you know, and invents... So, there's a lot of invention, but the emotional core of it is something that I know really well, and I'm exploiting that knowledge. And and clearly, you had quite a childhood from the movies, right. and I'm just really interested because you, they are so warm. I mean, they're not sentimental your movies at all, but they are so warm, even to the assholes. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm just interested in what you feel like that inheritance is. Has, has that... That warm thing? Well, it's like, you, yeah, that you are able to be so sort of passionate and dispassionate at the same time about that experience. And I'm just really interested in the way you hold that. I don't know if I'm thinking that way. I mean, I, f I, mean, I guess this is... A, so, I mean, I feel like... Um, this movie, for instance, is very... I mean, I guess I feel like I am taking a three-dimensional approach to every single character, and I can put myself inside of the shoes of every single character and f feel connected to them and understand their point of view profoundly. And I feel like each one of them is a sort of... You know, it's like being an actor. It's like dropping inside of them. So I feel very... I'm not... There's no shorthand in terms of, like, the types... Mm. I don't feel like, even though they're, you know, I guess you could be like, oh, that's the suburban mom, or that's the, I don't feel like I'm, in, I'm invest, I'm, that's not the first, I don't start there. Like, I wouldn't think, like, Molly's character, oh, suburban mom, she's blah, blah. It's sort of like her inner self comes first, and then whatever the exterior trappings of who that person is, in terms and, of the and, writing. And is it that process of putting yourself inside that makes even the people who are perhaps... A bit tougher. difficult or something. Difficult. Yeah, I is think that what gives them the warmth? Do you think? I guess so. I mean, it, you know, I I was an actor, so when I write, I feel like I have to justify 
I have to believe that I have to understand the the psychology um and and not like I said it's not shorthand I really have to believe it you know all the way around so and then you know there's casting and I think that I tend to be very attracted to actors who are capable of um comedy and and drama that it's a very sort of specific breed of actors that I love or that I'm attracted to and it's actors that straddle this thing um and all the actors in this movie have that. And it's very hard just to say exactly what that is. I know what it is when I see it. Mm. Um, there's great actors that are sort of dramatic actors that don't, they're brilliant, but they don't have this kind of point of view about the human condition that makes them funny too. Yeah. And these yeah. guys absolutely all do. do that. And that's just, I don't know what I can, it's like, I don't even know what it is, but I know what it is when I see it. But there's another part of that which I also wanted you to explain a little bit because the pace is very determined. I mean, you really ask us to look at certain things and you don't cut away, but the tone is really light, yeah? And I just wondered how conscious that was and how much that's part of that drama comedy thing that you're trying to... I, well, I, so you, you mean that this that scenes are you really sit inside the scenes? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, there's a deliberate like the pace. I, I mean, it's interesting. I so, mean, I mean, it was to, I mean, it was torture the masking her. Yeah. About oh, the know, scene about the, the egg, the burrito I mean, scene. It was absolute. I mean, good torture. Right. You know, don't get me wrong. It was absolute torture. It was like you want. Are you going to do it? Do it. Right. Do it. And that creates such a tension. But you were, I mean, ruthless with the audience, but you are quite often like that. In all your films, you, you, you absolutely hold out and then you give it away. And I'm just wondering whether that's your funny bone or whether that's I don't know. Else. I think that that's the essence of the drama. So, you know, that scene, that's like what you go to watch when you see drama, the way that people behave in the circumstances. So I'm interested in behavior and... That's like what I want to see as an audience person or as a reader, or I want to see how humans behave. <laughs> um, and I, and so I think I, I maybe if I, whatever you're saying, that kind of microscope is my interest in watching the behavior because mm. that's the that's like the juice, that's like what the stuff. <laughs> the stuff. Okay. All right. So I want to ask you about the very last shot of this movie and about why you decided to keep us in that sort of suspense forever. <laughs> uh -huh. um, and then I will have some questions from okay. others. Okay. Um, so I, I mean, I, so you're saying why did the movie end lingering on Paul and Catherine and not give you an answer? Like, do they get a baby? Do they not get a baby? Is that the question? That, well, that's the movie. Right. <laughs> well, I never thought it was the movie, even okay. though that is the mm. that is the movie in its... That's the plot, I guess. Mm -hmm. But the movie, the, the soul of the movie is about a marriage. So in my mind, the... That scene, the, the end of the movie is about a marriage. When he gets up and he yeah. crosses to the other side of the booth that is the happy ending in this story and the rest is you know we'll see what happens but yeah. that that was really what the movie's about 
So the baby is a is part of it, but it's not really the raise not to be pretentious raison d'être is not was, it's, it's the existential yeah. like experience of this marriage i was so hoping you would say that by the way okay. yeah I, <laughs> okay i answered well congratulations i really loved this film and it's also a topic that i've been waiting to see on screen for a long time which you know i think it's really fantastic um, one of the things I usually hate in a film is foreshadowing. <laughs> and I loved it in this case. I knew it was every single moment. I knew what was... <laughs> I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but I found it so gripping in a sense that... Um, you know they're going to announce it. You know she's going to say that at the dinner party. But I still really loved the. Oh, journey. So you're talking about like the Thanksgiving scene, uh, for instance. The, well, all, all of it. The, you know when you know that they're going to ask her about the egg. When you know uh, the Thanksgiving scene. I suspected that they weren't going to get pregnant, but I loved the fact that I kind. This is probably the only film I've ever really loved knowing that and then seeing it play out. I don't know if that was a conscious decision on your part. But I mean, I, it's so interesting. You know, there's that there's that famous thing that Alfred Hitchcock talks about, which is the difference between surprise and suspense. And suspense is, I guess it's, I don't know, if somebody, in, a director in this room probably knows, the, remembers it well, but there's he talks about, it's like a couple are sitting across from each other and there's a bomb under the table. And so if the audience sees the bomb under the table, everyone's sitting there, that's what suspense is. And the surprise or shock is like, we're sitting across the table, nobody sees a bomb and we just explode. So I think that what you're, what, in a way, what you're describing, for instance, that scene at Thanksgiving, you know that it's gonna happen and what you're experiencing and sort of what you're talking about even in the scene with um, the burrito scene when they're asking for the egg is this experience of suspense. It's not about like, ooh, hi. It's not a plot movie anyway. <laughs> like it's a character study. So, or a, I don't know if that's the right word, but it's a human comedy of sorts, a comedy of manners, or I don't know what to call it, but it's not about the plot. It's about, like I said before, the behavior. So I think that what you're describing is that experience of suspense, even though it's not a thriller or a normal suspense movie. But I think, I, rem I think about that idea. I remember like reading that it might have been in that famous Hitchcock Truffaut book that I read in, as a film student or something. But I remember thinking it was very profound, like, oh, that is so, I mean, and he's a genius. So anyway, I think, I, if I don't know if that exactly answers your question or responds, but. But fun fundamentally, you're talking about the difference between plot and narrative. And yeah, so and when you answered my question about the ending, you're saying, no, 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 that's the, that's the plot, whether they have yeah. a baby or not, but the yeah. narrative is. Come right. and sit next to me. Yeah, come and sit next to me. And also, oh, here we are. Yeah. Like, now what? The kind of... Um, when we were making the movie, Paul Giamatti at some point said, oh, this isn't even about the baby. It's waiting for Godot. And so that became like a kind of... Like, right. a, yeah. a mantra of like, yeah, it's the condition of this marriage. The moment-to-moment mm. -moment experience of what it feels like at the end, particularly because it's real time and it's one shot. And by the way, I just love that shot. Yeah. I thought it was gonna run the whole way through the building. <laughs> <laughs> Do we? Yeah, there's a gentleman here. Um, congratulations, a wonderful film. Thank you. Um, it's just, again, so warm and, and so enthused with love. I, I, I don't know, I fell in love with these characters. I really was hoping that um, 
it would come about for them. And in relation to the the ending, um, I was wondering if there was ever um, a possibility of a different ending for the different closure, kind of like, in a sense, when they let Sadie um, stay at that house the for the writers, for the oh, artists. Right. Kind of like, in a sense, it almost felt like a metaphor for letting it go. And I kind of thought that you might let them... And um, there, find yeah, find f I don't know, find joy somewhere else and get their marriage back. So that's the first question. Second question, um, as one of the characters says in the play, like I feel like I'm a, I'm I'm in a play. Um, how did you achieve such authenticity of writing? I know you said like it takes two years research and everything, but it just kind of reminded me of the um, the writing of John Cassavetes. And obviously, if he's referenced in the film, but just like live streams, you know, Mini and Moscovitz, all that. I, I was just blown away by how real it all felt. And, and yet, at the same time, you know, just very borderline play and film, and, 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 but not like sort of in a sense. But right. how, well, that's a first of all, thank you for saying that about it's so funny because everybody thinks John Cassavetti's films are so improvised, and I don't think they are as improvised as. People assume they are, and so and when we've been screening this film, or oh hi Catherine Hahn, she <laughs> snuck in. Um, <laughs> um, people have asked, oh, how much of it is improvised, and there it's none of it really. I mean, there's like a, two little things, and, and maybe I forget something else. One is improvised uh, is a very structured improvisation with the girl who's. Um, the birth mother who they're having a kind of a Skype relationship with me and that actress sort of built that whole Skype thing together um, prior to the, the shoot sort of like the day before we started principal photography. Um, it was very structured, but that was kind of improv based that dialogue with her. Um, and I don't think anything else was. Do you think that maybe it was, Oh, Uncle oh. Bob, the genius Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob, who's the guy, he's so good. Um, he's a, a day player, who, his name is uh, Fenton Lawless, which is an amazing name. And he uh, is the guy at Thanksgiving who gets up and does the speech yeah. about AA. I gave him the thing. I gave him the, I said, okay, because it says in the script, you know, Uncle, he, it, the only thing that was scripted is like, it's my turn now, right? And then he gets up and he's, and then said, and then he does a speech. But I had an, imp I gave him an assignment and the assignment was, this is your first sober Thanksgiving in this long, blah, 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 this, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh my God, he's in AA. He was sober. Like he totally was like, I don't know how it, we knew, but you know, I saw a little tape of him and I was like, oh, he seems like he could be good. And he just nailed it. And there's some beautiful editing room floor material of his full speech that is so beautiful and good. That whole Bermuda Triangle thing that he says it in, that's like the brilliant writing of Fenton Lawless and not me. So, but besides that, it's very, it's highly scripted. And, um, hmm. And the aliveness or whatever, I mean, I think it comes from two things. I think it comes from a very, uh, obsessional relationship with the dialogue, which I spend a lot of time with and I think about a lot and I play it out. Um, and I'm very rigorous with my dialogue. And it's, um, and the actors are 
you know, doing the dialogue as written and they're not, it's not loose at all. Um, and then I have actors that um, are, you know, like, like I said, that the, their ability to inhabit it is so, they're so great um, that they bring it to life. So um, those guys had a lot to do with that. <laughs> Is there, is there one other thing, which is the way that you shoot it, that you let it develop quite yeah, a lot? Yeah, I mean, I guess and that might look like it's authentic. That, I mean, or it is authentic right. in the moment. But is wait, that wait, part you mean of you're it? You're saying by laying back and not by laying back. You know, a lot of films look very constructed, look very cartoon, very put together, and you're standing back and you're letting it happen, and that yeah, might that, well, give that the sense. I mean, I also think that because, like I said before, because that's my interest, that I guess if you were in the editing room, I mean, I, I mean, my editor who I've made two movies with and he's fantastic, had been working a lot in television um, right pro immediately in advance of this job, my movie. And when I came in and was looking at the rough cut or whatever, the assembly, which is like, you want to commit, it's like, oh my God. I mean, they're famously grotesque and horrifying. But anyway, um, it was so fast and so um, missing its, I mean, I think his rhythm had become so attuned to this kind of TV rhythm. And a, not that all TV is like that, of course, and whatever. It was also like on people's, everybody that had language, the, it, he was using the shots with the words coming out of their mouth, which is very typical of television and and and, and stuff like that. And um, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm. you know, and I and I, I was interested in the natural, sp you know, the space in between things and not sucking that away. I don't. I there's so much happening in between, so I'm not, like I'm not interested in just jamming through on dialogue. I'm interested in what happens in between the dialogue. In between the pauses, the you know, all of that is is part of it. So this might need to be last yeah. question oh, now. Really sorry, I didn't notice the time. <laughs> we in trouble. Thank you. Very a very beautiful film. Thank you very much. Uh, I was asking. We talked about it. I think it's a natural question, maybe. But how do you work with your cast? Do you have uh, rehearsal periods uh, before on set? How do you work? We, we, had a very, a br we had a very short amount. I don't know how it works here, but I wish there was more time. But we, um, we uh, Catherine and Paul and I stole a rehearsal only because Catherine happened to be in the city of New York for like five seconds doing press for another movie. She lives in California. Paul lives in New York. And because she was doing press for uh, another movie, I, I was like, oh my God, you both are here in the same exact moment. He was leaving to do another movie. So we stole a rehearsal. And it was a couple of months prior to actually shooting. And it was seemed like a really great opportunity to have them meet each other and kind of have it be working in the back of their heads. Like the amount of time they meet and then they meet again three months later. So they actually know who that person is who subconsciously going to become their husband or wife in a few months when they're actually making the movie. So we had this fantastic stolen rehearsal um, uh, at Paul's apartment. I made pasta. Um, they We had dinner. We I gave them a couple of acting exercises, one of which was washing the dishes, which I cooked. <laughs> they had to clean. 
um, which was a good husband and wife activity. The other uh, thing that we did was we went through the entire script and uh, like, you know, read through in a very relaxed, nice way, talked about every scene. Then I gave the other assignment was to go on a donor egg website. I called up a donor egg website and I had them select an egg donor. And that was our night. And it was an amazing night. And, um, and then we, a couple of months later, we had three days of rehearsal. That's all we had. So we had that stolen rehearsal, which seemed kind of epic and great because, it, you know, and it could work on your subconscious. And then we had the three days of proper rehearsal. And Kaylee was the girl who played Sadie was in on that. And that was it. And then they're, you know, they're also all theater actors on top of being film actors. And there was a natural rapport, I think, with those guys. Catherine and Paul were really, I mean, all three of them. But um, Catherine and Paul really were fast, fast intimacy, like, I don't know. I was obsessed. I was obsessed when I had that night because I took a picture of them on my cell phone and I carried around and I kept checking in on it. It was like a talisman. And every time I looked at the picture of Paul and Catherine sitting on the couch looking at their little egg donor website <laughs> hunched over a computer, I was like, oh my God, they just looked like a picture of a couple that I took. They didn't look like actor. They didn't look like a movie couple. And I just remember just like, oh my God, they're just like, they could just be mixed in with the rest of your snapshots. It was like very, there was just something immediately real about them that was pretty special, I thought. Okay, I'm going to ask the last question, which is I, I read somewhere that Catherine said that when she went up to your apartment for the first time or your office or something, it was covered with mood boards. And then I read somewhere else, you said, oh, I start with pictures. But you've just really described in a way that I found very evocative your commitment to words. Yeah, I don't start with pictures. So, okay. I mean, I sometimes the pictures do. Come? The pictures kind of came later. I mean, once I was sort of building my sort of visual vocabulary for the movie. But it, I mean, it doesn't mean that they can't simultaneously pop up, that you can't see something and stick it on your wall. But when you know you're also going to have to translate all this information to the rest of the other people on your crew and your, you know, you just start collecting stuff for that. So, but it didn't, because by the time Catherine came, um, you know, the script was finished. I was plastering my office with images and um, I was, but it was, I don't, I don't necessarily start there, but it doesn't mean that it couldn't, like I wouldn't stick a, you know, an image on top of my desk or on my computer or on a lamp or something, but it's not that, usually the first thing is words. Uh, beautiful film, beautiful leading lady. Thank you for being here also. Hugely talented, thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs>